You are listening to episode number 28 of The Love Noteworthy Show. Welcome to The Love Noteworthy Show, the guide to creating a business, brand, and life you love, taken from the lessons of female entrepreneurs, influencers, game changers, and change makers who have already made it happen. Welcome back everyone to the Love Noteworthy Show. My name is Reese and today we are going to be talking about how to effectively use social media for your business or personal brand. And I'm here with Elizabeth Bradley, or should I call you EK? EK Bradley, Elizabeth Bradley, either way. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Um, And she is a writer, social media strategist, and life coach based in Thailand. But she is British American, and we'll talk a little bit more about that um, in learning about her. And anyways, her work has been featured on sites such as Vega Blogging, Cameron Diaz's ourbodybook.com and Tiny Buddha in addition to magazines like Raspberry, Girl Gone International and Wild Sister. She's also the founder of thrivinghealer.net where she helps holistic entrepreneurs thrive both online and off and you can find out more about Elizabeth all at ekbradley.net and I will post all of the links to her sites in the show notes. So thank you so much for being here Elizabeth. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, a little behind the scenes action, uh, because Elizabeth lives in Thailand, we're having like a hilarious uh, interview. I think it's like midnight my mm-hmm. time and three o'clock her time. But that's the joys of lifestyle and entrepreneurship and giving up your <laughs> nine to five to work 24 <laughs> seven. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> to make it my life. Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. So Elizabeth, why don't we talk, uh, start off about talking about you growing up, um, as you mentioned, and we were talking a bit before this interview, you traveled around quite a bit when you were younger. So tell us about growing up and what your passions were and how they sort of led you into what you're doing today. Oh, I love that question. Thank you so much for asking that. Um, well, I'm what's called a third culture kid. I uh, was born in the States. My mom is from England, so I'm British as well as being American. But I, um, when we were five, my dad was in sales. He had a, a boat company, actually sold um, yachts, which is kind of a funny story uh, in and of itself. Um, so he had offices in different parts of the world, and one of them was in France. And so when I was five, we basically... Um, bought a house there and um, were living there for a good portion of every year. Basically, I was doing my school year in the um, in the U.S. Um, until high school, and then I went to school in the France. And then the rest of the year was in France, and um, we were also traveling to many different places, including Asia, um, Singapore specifically, and just all around Southeast Asia. And so my kind of um, you know, France to me will always be home, but it's kind of difficult to explain that to people because I'm not French by nationality uh, or French by birth, so to speak. So um, it's kind of one of those, it's like I was kind of born to be a lifestyle entrepreneur because I've been traveling so much my whole life that when you, you know, when you get used to that, um, that kind of lifestyle um, and being in different cultures and, and having that kind of exposure, you, um, it's really hard to stop doing it. You know, I've tried, mm-hmm. I moved to the States, um, shortly after my dad passed away when I was about 19. So I moved from France to the States and I hadn't been there in years and it was like, I loved it at first, but, um, after I had our daughter, uh, Kaya, I just, something in me that, you know, that traveling, I've got to get out of here kind of feeling kicked in. Like I got to go somewhere. And, um, 
my husband and I decided, well, you know, maybe we'll move back to Europe because, you know, I'd missed it so much. But um, my husband, you know, he he always loved Asia and we honeymooned here. So he back then, this was, you know, a long time ago, like seven years or so, um, you know, he was in the service industry and was also teaching ESL, English as a Second Language. So we decided to go to Korea and we mm. went to, yeah, we went to Korea to teach, which is really actually a great thing to do if you're right out of college or you're going through a period of time where you're not sure, you know, what career pursuit you want to uh, go after. Or if you want to make it a career, I think teaching English is actually a great way to start traveling and to experiencing the world. And so we did that. So our daughter, you know, was a toddler in Korea, which was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Which was awesome. It was very challenging in some ways too, but I absolutely loved it um, in in many respects. Um, the downside was that my husband was working nonstop, so it was a really big problem on our relationship, and that caused us to both realize just how important it was for us to be spending as much time together as possible, and, and um, if possible, uh, both work at home. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. Mm. Um, and so we ended up traveling a bunch. We ended up moving back to, to Europe. So finally I got my way. Yay. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my husband and I had, you know, we just, we missed Thailand because we had vacationed here and decided to come back because my husband had a job lead. So that's why we ended up coming back to Thailand. So that's a kind of a long story short. But, um, you know, I've been a writer my whole life. My brother's also a writer. and um, But like many writers, I had made the assumption that there was no way I could pursue a career as that because mm-hmm. I saw how hard it was for my brother. I lived in Los Angeles for almost a decade. I saw how hard it was for um, all my friends who were, you know, artists. Yeah, my husband was obviously hyper-competitive right. there too. Super competitive. And I'm not a screenwriter, but it was still, you know, I could see, you know, it was it was challenging and And anyway, so I, for some reason, just stopped writing until finally, um, you know, we moved to Thailand and I started my first travel blog and then started doing freelance work. And that's how I started getting good at social media, because in order to kind of thrive online, you have to develop some kind of platform. And um, that's what I started doing social media. Mm, Okay, okay. And what were you doing before that? Like, did you go, what did you study in school or did you do post-secondary? Yeah. Yeah, well, I actually, no, I went to boarding school, so um, boarding school kind of, I had really big academic plans after that. I had even, um, you know, had like a tutor to help me get into Oxford or Cambridge. I was like hardcore academic. Yeah, I was. It was, it's, it, you know, it was its own system and ecosystem where, you know, if you're studying in in that kind of environment, you kind of live and breathe um, school. Mm -hmm. Um, But I eventually got burnt out. Um, and my father passed away and I decided to kind of spend some time soul searching. So I didn't actually end up going to university as I had thought. So I pursued the entrepreneurial university, AKA learning everything the hard way, (laughs) 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 um, you know, over the years, uh, studying kind of business and taking business classes online and, um, yeah, but my, my focus in school was always writing and, um, and um, I loved photography too, so that's kind of how I ended up pursuing it and continuing it. That's great. I mean, I know there's there's quite a few of my friends that didn't do post secondary, and I feel like they're almost <laughs> ahead of me in that they've started their own entrepreneurial ventures, and they're my age or younger, but just seem so much wiser because <laughs> they have had yeah. an extra four or five years to actually just 
figure their own shit out. Excuse my language. Yes. No, no, I, you know, and I wish actually, I wish I had done that right away because, but I didn't, you know, I think like many people who are, you know, many teenagers, I screwed around for a while and, and was not sure what to do. Um, but I, I, now I wish I had started much earlier. I wish I had really gotten into entrepreneurship at a much earlier age. I would have been ahead of the game really. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, like social media is a relatively new industry though. So how did you, mm-hmm. you said you became interested in it just from uh, becoming kind of a copywriter, writer and consultant. Yes. So how did you decide that you would shift your focus to do consulting on social media? Well, um, what happened was, is that when I first started my my initial blog, which was a long time ago, it's a travel site. Um, travel blogging is intrinsically linked with social media because mm-hmm. in order to get sponsored posts or press trips or any kind of um, basically paid opportunities, um, hotels or tourism boards or whatever, um, they really like to see numbers. Mm-hmm. So if in order to get numbers that were engaged and whatnot, um, you know, I was using um, uh, kind of software such as Tweet Adder. This was back in the day. Tweet Adder was actually awesome software where you could target people who had a specific interest that was similar to yours on Twitter. And so you could follow them or engage with them or whatnot. And I actually loved that software because it was, you know, you're following real people, you're getting to know real influencers, um, you know, it's targeted, but uh, it ended up fizzling out So uh, mm-hmm. because of uh, Twitter's uh, terms and conditions. But that was kind of how I began, was using Twitter and connecting with people in the travel and tourism industry. And then my husband ended up starting um, a website called Holistic Dad, um, and we started to basically use what I was learning about Facebook marketing and uh, growing, specifically growing a, an engaged Facebook platform on your a fan page. And um, it ended up growing to over 100,000 um, likes, almost all organically. I think we took a few ads over the years, but that was, yeah, it was, it's almost all organic. Before Facebook caught on to the fact that people were basically having a ton of success with engaging and um, they changed their algorithm and it just caused, I swear to God, it was one of the worst I remember when it happened, the crash, because I was helping people with their fan pages and obviously helping my husband with his. And um, I just remember logging in and just seeing um, that traffic was down to post by like 70% or something. And that's when everybody I was speaking to knew that they had changed and were trying to really even more push people to take ads. So, you know, I had a friend who, who was my mentor actually, and she had built hers to over 1 million, um, 100% organically. She did not take a single ad. Um, so she had 1 million fans and was just changing lives because she was talking about health and healthy Mm -hmm. eating and, um, you know, really important topics that, you know, if you blog about them, chances are they're not going to do as well as, as the platform she had created. And it was really sad because, um, it, you know, she had to work double time to try to get back that engagement, get back that reach. Um, you know, she was posting and one of her, one single post on her fan page would get like over a hundred thousand views. So that's Whoa. one single. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew this for a fact because I, I knew her analytics, um, and for us, we were getting like 30,000. So, I mean, imagine that for traffic. You'd post a single blog post on your fan page, mm-hmm. and you're getting that many views just from Facebook. Um, and then that started to crumble, so I, I started to hustle and learn other platforms because I realized what 
so many online entrepreneurs will say, and that's that um, you need to focus on list building. Luckily, we had been building my husband's list on his fan page. Uh, my friend did not do that, so I feel oh, I feel so bad because you know when that started. <laughs> yeah, um, but she hadn't done that, so there wasn't a backup for her. So it was it was very challenging. But um, she ended up actually she's now working at one of the top um, uh, personal health brands in the world. Uh, I can't say who it is, but um, basically it's a celebrity, and she's doing really well. So that's great mm. that that happened. But um. You know, so I started learning the other platforms like Pinterest and Instagram, and now those are a huge part of what I do with personal branding with clients because I get almost half my traffic from Pinterest now. So it's it's wonderful. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, Pinterest. Yeah. I when it was pop, became hyper popular like a year or two ago, I jumped on the bandwagon, and then now I've barely used it at all in the past year. Yeah, you got to though. You really have to. I think it's it's overtaken um, Facebook. And, and, and it's, I can, I'll talk about some, some tips for Pinterest, but I really think that that's what people should be focusing on now is Pinterest and Instagram really. Mm-hmm. Stuff that's more visual for sure. I'm definitely yes. an Instagram fan. Um, and I guess with Pinterest, it's weird. I'm really into Instagram at the moment, but with Pinterest, at least like you can link the images directly to a URL, whereas that's still not the functionality of Instagram, which drives me crazy. Unfortunately, Yeah. Like, come on, when are they going to do this? <laughs> I know, it's it's really annoying. Um, anyways, uh, so you talked a little bit about how you ended up living and working in Thailand. And have you found that, um, how have you adapted to sort of the cultural differences in living in all these different com- countries? Well, because I grew up doing it, it's kind of like a, you know, I don't know. Like I kept thinking when we first moved here, oh, wow, you know, I, I didn't really think oh, I live in Thailand, you know, for some reason, it was just like, oh, I love where I live. And then people would be like, whoa, you live in Thailand. That's crazy. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I guess I do live somewhere that's, you know, a little exotic and, and not where I'm from originally. It didn't really dawn on me, but that's just because I'm strange and I've traveled a lot for, for my entire life a lot. Um, but for my husband and just in general, I think Thailand's a great place to live. I think Southeast Asia in general, Malaysia, um, Bali, uh and Thailand and, and even Myanmar to a degree, um, they're great places to live because the people are so genuinely friendly. Mm. Um, and that's a huge thing for me. You know, I lived in LA for almost a decade. And LA is actually a lot friendlier than people give it credit for, but at the same yeah, time, it's very, yeah, exactly. Isn't it? I think LA's fine, you mm-hmm. know, with that. But at the same time, um, you know, other parts of the states I had been in, it was kind of like if you're doing anything artistic or out of the box, you know, like in the Midwest, which is where I was born. Um, I mean, it's just it's not really as accepted as it is in L.A. I mean, you know, if you're doing anything differently, um, it's kind of, you know, a witch hunt or it's a struggle to kind of. You know, I think it's changing with the internet because the internet's bringing new ideas to those parts of the states that are more rural. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I just really wanted to be in a place that was really friendly and accepting towards what we do. And, and in Thailand, they have a phrase that's my Ben Rai, which kind of means it's all good. <laughs> and that's kind of how they're per- that they view everything. They don't mm-hmm. want to really make a fuss out of anything, even if they disagree with it or it's not what they're doing. And I like that a lot. And also, it's very cheap to live here. It's very affordable. Um, food, you know, is very affordable. Vegetables. Oh my God. Thai food's my favorite. Isn't it amazing? 
Oh, so good. The curries. It's, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, you should come out here then. If you like the <laughs> curries you're having there, you need to come here. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely on my uh, to-do this year. I'd love to go to Thailand and Bali and Cambodia and Vietnam and just do a little yes. trip or potentially oh, live there for a little bit. Yeah, you should. It's it's a great place for um, for consultants and um, freelancers and whatnot because um, the Wi-Fi is good. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, and it's affordable. Yeah, for sure. Um, sorry, what were you saying was before that? Well, it's the thing I love here too is that um, you know we're big into eating vegetables and trying to um, eat organic. And here, it's so affordable to buy um, vegetables and to buy um, high quality fish and and just stuff like that. Whereas in the states, or probably where you are, you have to go to Whole Foods and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, it has a nickname whole paycheck for a reason. <laughs> it's expensive, you know, and here it's very affordable and, and I really like that at, you know, that we can eat well and afford to to get nutrient dense food for our family. So that's something I really love too. Yeah, I find definitely in Canada produce and meat and dairy are very expensive. Mm, like more yep. so than in the States even. It's Oh crazy. wow. Yeah, like oh my gosh, it's so funny. Um Two of my favorite things, wine and cheese. They're so expensive in Canada comparing to the States. It's hilarious. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. Yeah. like I I, It's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the same thing, it's essentially way more expensive. But anyways, um, let's get back on topic here. And let's, <laughs> no, I like wine and cheese. Let's talk about that. <laughs> um. Let's talk about social media strategy. So for small business owners or people who are just getting started up, what should they be focusing on when first starting out? Well, um, I think the good news with social media and blogging, but specifically social media, is that you don't have to have a huge following um, to make an impact and to have it impact your business. That's the kind of mistake I made and many other people make, and that's that um, just focus on the numbers. And that's what people focus on with their blogs, too, because they make the assumption that they need a ton of traffic um, in order to, you know, get more sales or to, if if they're taking the pro-blogging approach, to make um, advertising revenue. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe in that, you know, perspective, you want to focus on traffic, but I wouldn't, actually. I think your focus isn't traffic. It's always conversions. So, you know, the most important thing is to have really good branding, very good copywriting, a clear calls to action on your website and as well. And all those um, focus or all those um, that you're focusing on, on your on your branding, on your sites also apply to your social media. You know, having clear uh, copywriting um, on your social media, in your description box, um, you know, and your profiles. Um, as well as calls to action of how people can work with you or where to download your free ebook or or it's you know all those different things and having really good branding that shows your brand values um, as well as your interests and if your personal brand and your services you know those are the things that really matter over numbers mm-hmm. because you could get a ton of traffic or a ton of people following you and they could not at all be your ideal client or even interested in your services. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, the I, I, I'm sure we'll talk about more about this later, but with vanity metrics, like you can pretty much pay to get like yes. fake followers these days. And it's yep. like five bucks on Fiverr. Yeah, it's like $5. So, you know, maybe that looks good. And like you said, vanity, that's that's a really perfect way of saying it. 
you know, and, and if people want to do that, go ahead, but it won't help you make sales. You know, it, it, and, and I'm all for like, if, if a, there's a, if I'm working with a large corporation or, or something like that, which I have done and I do do, um, you know, especially like in the tech industry, to them, net mat, uh, numbers matter a lot. And I understand that because they're trying to compete with other companies that um, don't have that. However, I think customer service matters even more. And I tell them this all the time. You know, if they've got a Twitter account with like 10 or 20,000 followers or 100,000, but they've got bad customer service on it and people are complaining or people have questions and they're not responding, that matters more. So, you know, because they're showing other people how they treat their customers and what their brand represents and stuff like that. So yeah, vanity numbers are not the, the thing to be focusing on. Yeah, for sure. So just going back to social media, are there any platforms that all people should be on that you would recommend? Or does it always ebb and flow depending on your business and your brand and what your service offerings are? I think Pinterest um, is absolutely the must um, plat- platform to be on dis- no matter what your industry. The reason I say that is because it's, um, first of all, easy to rank on Pinterest. So Pinterest's own algorithm is very easy to rank. Um, unlike Facebook where, you know, you can search by keywords and stuff like that, but it's obviously no one does that. You know, very few people actually go on and use a hashtag on Facebook. It's just not what you do. Yeah. But on, um, you know, on Pinterest, even though you don't use hashtags per se, your keywords um, do matter. So what you're naming your Pinterest boards, um, mm. what, yep, what your description box says in your, in your board, you know, your board description, what the description box says in the individual pins description and what your description box for your profile says, um, all those things matter and they rank you. Um, and it's very easy to rank. I rank number one, or at least I did a couple days ago when I checked for digital nomad on there, you know, I rank, um, I even rank for some of the top um, because I'm a geek and I test things out. I, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to rank for the top for, for some of the places I've lived. So Bangkok, um, I'm, I think I'm one of the top couple for that and um, Thailand as well. Just different ones like that. So the bottom line is that it's easy to rank on there, which means it's easy for people to find you or easier than platforms such as um, Facebook because people are not searching for that. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why I think it's great, but most importantly, um, it's fantastic for traffic. Um, because you can rank, you can start to grow your your individual Pinterest boards as well as your account that way. Um, but also, if you start to make your blog posts optimized for Pinterest, which means you've got a great image um, that's long because... Um, Pinterest likes longer images, and that's got good copywriting on it, and that's um, you know makes people want to click through. You're going to get traffic if you're pinning it to the right places on Pinterest. So that's why I, I really focus heavily on Pinterest. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That's so funny. It's so off of my radar, and this is very much so intriguing me. I clearly need to start pinning all of the interviews. Yeah, let me give you an example. Yeah, but if you're going to do that, exactly, you do need to do that. Um, and you, you can join my, my group board, actually, and we get huge traffic. Um, and we've got some really big bloggers on there pinning to it. Um, but I would I would suggest before you actually um, start pinning your um, individual show shows and whatnot, that you first make optimized images because – most people will pin their blog posts or their podcasts or whatnot, but they won't op- make an image specifically for Pinterest. 
So that won't get many repins, which means you won't get many um, eyeballs looking at it, which means you won't get that many click-throughs. Hmm. So I, I would actually go through and on your blog where you post the show, um, I would make a longer image that uses um, similar branding to what you're using on the show and um, and 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 maybe say click here to listen to it now or something like that and mm-hmm. that's what's going to get you traffic if you're doing that and pinning it to group boards. Group boards are basically yeah, group boards are the 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 thing to focus on. And that's joining a board that already has traffic and already has followers and already has engagement. So you don't you're not starting from the ground up. You're literally hacking it and you're starting, you know, for example, I, I pin for Lonely Planet. They've got like, I don't even know, like a hundred thousand followers on that um, on the boards. And so, if I pin a travel post or if I pin something for a customer or client that's related to that board and it's high quality content, you know, it's going to get in front of a lot of people. Versus, if I was just starting out and I had a tra- random travel board and I've got like a hundred people following it, so. That's that's the awesome thing is that you don't have that ability in Facebook. You don't have that ability in Instagram. You're starting from zero or whatever platform you currently have. Whereas Pinterest, you're ha- you can hack it and start with somebody else's platform, and that's the beauty of it. Mm, okay, okay. And how do you go about hacking, so to speak? Like, if how would you can you request to be added to? A group board, yes. or and how do you, yes, you can. do? You have any strategies on reaching out to the board owner to sell them on why you should be able to pin? Well, yeah. Let me use um, let me use myself as an example. I think I randomly asked to join Lonely Planet back, you know, a year or two ago, and I, I mean, I have I have a couple thousand followers, but. You know, it says that I live in Thailand and my description, it says what I do. It says I'm a writer. I do some freelance photography occasionally. So they accepted me, which was really nice. Their goal, a, a group owner's goal, like for my blogging group, is just to not have spammers. That's their number one goal. Mm. Um, so when you think about that, they want people to come and pin. So um, obviously my board is not the size of Lonely Planets. My group board is, I think, 4,000 about 4,000 followers, but it still has excellent engagement, which is awesome. But, you know, I'm not dealing with as much spam as somebody like Lonely Planet. So they have to feel confident you're a real person, that you're a real business or brand or blog, and that you you have something of value to offer. So that's why your branding is very important on Pinterest. Um, And that they know you're going to be pinning things that are relevant to the people that are on the board and usually they'll say the requirements like they may say you know you can only pin one time a day or three times a day and in order to join email me or comment on one of the pins so that's normally how you join group boards Mm, okay and just for pinterest as well as in general how frequently should someone be posting on their social media that's debatable um you know that's actually really interesting debate because some people say you should be pinning all the time and and I think that the more you do pin in uh, Pinterest that it does get you in front of uh, more people but here's the great news about group boards if you're pinning often to group boards like let's say there isn't a a limit and let's say you're a member of 10 group boards um, 
you can pin as many times as you want the same post if it's relevant to the same group to the group boards you're a member of. Um, you could pin that post to every single group board and all your other posts in that day. And your people who are following you, you who are not members of those group boards will not see those pins. So it's not like you're spamming them with the same blog posts that you're pinning nonstop to these group boards that, you know, that you're members of mm-hmm. because the people following you are not part of that group board. Okay, okay. That's a good so, thought. Yeah. So getting a even, um, I mean, I, I don't know how to explain it, but if I had a diagram, there'd be a circle, which would be your followers. Mm-hmm. Then there would be a separate circle for each group board you're a part of. And those circles, they do not interact with your circle. Because they they are not following you, they're following the group board. So because of that, you know you've got your area of influence, your circle, and whoever's following you, and none of those people are seeing the other circles and what you're pinning there. Mm, okay, that's great advice. I'm like, hmm, I need to take down all these notes and start doing this. <laughs> yeah, I have a free course on my on ekbradley.net um, called Pin Class, and I I've already posted lesson one but I haven't posted the others and that's how to optimize your um, Pinterest account and, and also how to join group boards and I list there um, a few places where you can find group boards um, because there are literally hundreds and they're they're pretty easy to join so but it's absolutely a must-have like I will get I had one blog post that was called on my personal blog called top abs for bloggers and it's been repinned thousands of times mm. thousands of times um, and it's it, it's my number one most popular post. And every day I have a ton of traffic coming from Pinterest to that one post. And then all the individual posts I have um, that are like follow-up posts or relevant or talk about health or other popular topics, they, they're all getting traffic from different individual pins on Pinterest or people repinning my, my pin. So it's absolutely a must-have for every single business owner is to optimize their content so that it will be shared on Pinterest and get repinned. Mm, okay, okay. Um, why don't we switch gears a little bit and talk about a few other channels. So yes. I really like using Instagram, as I mentioned right now, as well as LinkedIn. Do you have any tips or tricks that you've come across for how these platforms can be used effectively for your business? Absolutely, and I was noticing on your LinkedIn profile that you're publishing on there, which is excellent. Yeah, and I, I just started. Yes, me too. I just started too, but I had a post actually end up going semi, I mean, I guess it's not viral, but in my opinion, it's semi-viral because I don't have like Guy Kiyosaki's followers. So it's like, I don't know how, but it ended up doing really well. Um, and it and it got in, in front of um, some influencers, so I'm happy about it. The great thing about LinkedIn is just like Pinterest is that you can optimize it. So using relevant keywords both in your um, description, obviously, um, your um, and in your past work history as well as your current work history. Mm. For example, most people, if you're going after branding, um, most people don't really put branding in as a keyword in what they're currently doing because they have their business is their business has per, for example a different name maybe it's their 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 name or maybe it's a, a different name um, you know whatever the name is but they won't actually put branding or they won't put writing services or whatever it is they're doing there they'll just put their company name but I would suggest not doing that for the sake of ranking I would also put what you do right in the actual title. Of, of what you're saying your your business is because that mm. will help you rank. 
Okay. So, for example, for, for me on there, I have everywhere um, that I'm a writer that I do um, consulting for uh, social media. Specifically, I even mention all over the place that I do face my, my expertise is in Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Um, and that I do some speaking and workshops and whatnot. That is like seeded all throughout my LinkedIn profile, including in my past history of where I've worked before or kind of the freelancing jobs I've done before. And just everywhere I can put it, you put those keywords because that helps you rank. In, and no one's ranking um, really on LinkedIn. And Lewis Howes talks about this a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I kind love of Lewis House. Un- <laughs> I love Lewis House too. He's amazing. But he doesn't really. I, he's one of the few people talking about this, and and he says not many people are are going for these keywords, even if it's really competitive. You can rank for them. So, and then also apart from ranking, let's say you've got your keywords in place, um, and in your description box, you've got all those keywords too in your you know kind of about me area. Um, then it's again publishing on there. That is the powerhouse thing that I think is going to become a really big way for small businesses to get their name out there in front of influencers because anybody can see it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because it's published on Pulse. So it's not just like, you know, you're publishing on your own blog where only people who have subscribed can see it. You're published in Pulse, so other people can see it too. And that's why, you know, you'll, uh, you'll get people who are outside of your network that are commenting or liking or engaging and sharing your content. And then they follow you because, you know, they've liked it. So it's a, it's a really great way to connect um, if you're interested in that market and professionals. Yeah, for sure. And it's, I, I feel like they're going to shift it somehow in the future because it is really new. Um, yes. And so right now, I definitely urge people to take advantage. And I've definitely recommended to people to take advantage of publishing because you can not only will all of the people that you're connected to get a notification that you're publishing, but also people that are following you based on the pulse interviews and that sort of thing. And yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. One of my girlfriends, she sent me um, a, f- a forward of a LinkedIn email and it was like new on Pulse that would be interesting to you based on, I guess, what her interests and stuff yes. are. And one of my articles came up and she's like, that's so cool that yes. I would recommend one of your articles. <laughs> yeah. See, isn't that amazing? Yeah. So it, it's really taken the legwork out of blogging, you know? Totally. <laughs> And you can just essentially what I do for a lot of the podcast episodes or I just started doing as well is that you can just repost like essentially copy and paste from your blog onto LinkedIn and then just say for more information, check out my blog kind of thing. That's Um, what I've done. I've been told by, yeah, I've been told by some of my friends that they don't, LinkedIn doesn't recommend you do that because obviously they want to share unique content. And I agree if, if people can come up with unique content apart from what they're already doing, do that. But yes, if, if you want to repost, that's what I've been doing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and what about Instagram? Instagram's probably my personal favorite social media, um, platform, but it is completely different than, the other ones. The reason being, like you mentioned, you don't, there's no hyperlinks. So it's extremely hard to get traffic from that platform. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be creative with it. The good news about Instagram with regards to traffic is that we've seen that big corp, you know, companies and, um, and small businesses and everybody in between is, is using it. Um, what that tells me when I see a big company using it is that they realize that there's potential. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though a lot of people think, 
you know, Instagram's better for just showing personal photos or, you know, your quirks and stuff like that or your personal interests or where you're going, what you're doing. Um, I think it has a lot more potential than that. Because although, you know, people don't like to be sold to on Instagram or Pinterest because they're there kind of just to browse and to mm-hmm. kind of take take a load off and relax, um, there's creative ways to do it. For example, my friend Regina from um, – uh, Regina was also featured on um, Naveed's podcast, and she's she's really amazing with what she does with Instagram. And in that she takes photos of upcoming things that she's launching. So if she's going to be launching a uh, blogging um, kind of book or a blogging planner, she will post photos of it way in advance before it comes out, and then she'll link to that um, Instagram post in her newsletter. So you're seeing a photo of, oh, wow, she's using this cool-looking blog planner. I want that, but guess what? It's not available. You know, <laughs> so you've got – so you're constantly thinking, wow, that was a really cool planner I saw because that's the power of visual marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually she'll tell you, hey, you know, this planner links to the Instagram post. It's available now. So it's a great way if you get creative with it and you're, and you're also showing your personal brand but also showing when you're launching something. Um, it just takes consistency to build that platform, and also you need to start engaging with people that are outside your network. Mm, so okay. if you if you want to if you want to grow, the key with Instagram is really targeting. You know, if if you want if your target market, your ideal client, who you need to know really well, if you're going to find them on any social media network, um, you know, is following an influencer. Um, you know, like let's say Naveed. So you'd be following Naveed and checking out who's liking his photos and then going over to their account and engaging with them, liking their photos, commenting on their photos, etc. And that's the best way to get more followers and that's the best way to get your name out to a new audience. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. That's a great advice. And that's one of the things, as you can see, who has been liking photos too. Yes, that's what you really need to take advantage of. And, um, and also what I call reverse hashtagging, which is essentially instead of using the hashtags, which you're more than welcome to do, but um, instead following them. Because mm. people, who are, you know, people who are using hashtags such as, and in fact, Reese, I honestly think that this is so much more intelligent than using hashtags, but this is just me. <laughs> um, uh, I still use them occasionally, but no one does this. Is you follow a hashtag? So, for example, someone who's going to hashtag solopreneur, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know that they're a solopreneur, right? They just said <laughs> it. They've been like, "Hey, I'm a solopreneur. I'm so happy. I got to hashtag it, right?" So, you know, if you're in branding, or you're a consultant, or you're somebody who services a solopreneur, boom, you know exactly where they are. They're right there. Mm-hmm. You've just found them. You can engage with them. You can interact with them, and they could be a potential client. Um, you know, obviously, if you work up a relationship with them, and um, you know, so different hashtags. For example, health coach. That's another one. People who are health coaches, you know, they're very loud and proud about it because they show what they're eating. They like to. They're very proud about what they're doing, and they love using Instagram. Mm-hmm. So if you follow the hashtag health coach, and you're servicing health coaches, you're going to find literally tens of thousands of your ideal client right there. Boom. And it goes for every single um, hashtag you can imagine. So instead of using that hashtag, you know, you're following it. And by doing that, you've got a trail of breadcrumbs of all these people who are in your target market and who are potential customers. 
Yeah, that's great advice. Um, let's talk a little bit about case studies um, or mm-hmm. some more examples. Can you give us some examples of some companies that have done a really great job with online engagement without spending yes. a lot of money on doing campaigns or like Facebook advertising or just having, I don't know, unlimited budgets to build their audience? Right. Well, the first person I think of um, when I think of someone who just does a great, great job um, with social media and making it work for her business is my friend um, Naomi from Eighth and Home. And I'll send you a link to her site. Naomi um, is, she's a real estate agent, um, but she uses a lot of personal branding on her social media and just everywhere on her blog, etc. To let people know that she's not just your average real estate agent. She is someone who... Um, has she's traveled internationally she's a fellow third culture you know person um, so she's very familiar with people who are relocating often especially doing international moves mm. um, so that's her personal brand and she's also big into giving back to people who are in this um, in the military um, for teachers and firefighters etc um, as well and because of that, she stands out on social media because she's not just a real estate agent with a kind of corporate looking photo she's a really very kind person, loves to give back. And she uses Twitter um, and Instagram as well as other platforms to engage with people. So that's the number one thing is when you're a small business owner or a solopreneur and you don't have a huge budget, the thing that you want to focus on is using your time wisely on there. So it's not just repinning or reposting, it's engaging with people. So, you know, the great thing about Twitter is that you can engage with anyone. You could go write Lewis Howes right now and he could see it. You know, you could he actually responds. He's super. Yeah, amazing. he's. And so is uh, John Lee Dumas, who's really nice. And, um, you know, and, and I'll tell you something, and, and this doesn't apply necessarily to social media. But, for example, people wonder how I got on Cameron Diaz's blog, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and people make assumptions when you get on a, a celebrity's blog or a blog like that. You know, they think, you know, the person or just somehow you're connected. And, and I always just love to break that. And I'm like, no, I just sent an email. <laughs> And they're like, oh, oh, okay. You know, and it kind of lets them down because they think maybe I know her or something. Like, no, I sent an email. You know, it's not like she's on my speed dial. And um, it's, it's so, but that same, that same idea applies to social media. You have access to everybody, okay? It's how you use it and if you choose to use it. And what Naveed talks about taking massive action. If you don't have a big budget, um, you know, you use Twitter to find your, your ideal customers or clients. You know, you, you, you are active on those platforms in pursuing people. Instead of just reposting or repinning or, you know, pinning a qu- or tweeting a quote, actually use a platform to engage with people who are influencers or in your ideal um, market. And another person who uses it, again, is, my, is Regina. Regina is um, from byregina.com, and she does... Um, She's like, she's a business coach essentially for entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and mediapreneurs. And she has a bunch of different services and whatnot. And I'd say she launched almost her entire business um, by Pinterest. Wow. Why? Yeah. I mean, really, it's crazy. She's making six figures already. And she's absolutely blown everybody away because her content is epic. When she writes a blog post, it's like 3,000 words. It's Naveed style, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but she's made each post very pinworthy. So it's a long post. It looks great in a Pinterest feed. And if you, uh, chances are, if you go to Pinterest and search for blogging tips or blogging, her pins will show up. 
So she's blown it out of the park doing this. She's in, in demand. She's got live workshops. She does. She has products and services that she offers. And um, I think this year she wants to actually cut back on the consulting and focus mainly on the um, on her um, e-products because they've just been so successful. And she just posted her last um, income report, and I think it was like $13,000 for one month. And she breaks down how she made that income. And again, I know that Pinterest was a huge driver of sales for her because the products that she had made the most money from were um, e-products. And she, again, does a great job of making her posts and her sales pages pinnable. So I know that that's how she's doing it. So that's another great example. And it's proof that anybody can do this. I'm just on her website right now. And I Mm. remember looking at multiple links that you've reposted of her stuff and her yes. visuals are like fantastic. Like, yes, she and her blog it. looks so good. Like her website yep. looks so good. Absolutely. And then um, there's someone else. Um, well, there's actually a lot of different people who are using it. It's just about using it creatively, the different pa- platforms. I would say the next person would be Kimra Luna um, from KimraLuna.com. Um, I'll send you her link. She... Uh, joined B-School at the same time I did, which was last year, and she was in a very bad financial situation where her husband had been unemployed for almost five years. They're from California, and the only job he could find was in like South Carolina or somewhere. It was really, really a hard situation where he had to move across the country to work in FedEx. Um, because that was the only job he could find. So Kimra made it the goal, uh, her goal to basically... Um, start an online business and retire her husband so he no longer had to work out of the house and that she could um, start a business. So he gave her a credit card of like $5,000 or something like that to spend on business. And when it was up, it was up. There was no more of a budget. Um, but anyway, long story short, she ended up creating a huge empire. I think she just, her last launch made over a hundred K. I mean, it was huge, gigantic. Um, she has a personal chef now. I know she posts about that a lot on Facebook. Her main <laughs> strategy, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. She's doing fantastic. They, uh, her husband has been retired now. She is the main person um, working. Um, and she's focused a lot on personal branding and using webinars as well as Facebook groups. Mm. Facebook groups are an excellent way um, to basically interact with people. And again, if you're proactive and not just kind of watching people or standing by the sidelines and not really engaging, it's a great way if you can be of service in there and helping people, providing tips. It shows them that you're an expert. And also creating a Facebook group around your expertise. I have a Facebook group called um, Blogging Boosts um, just to help basically bloggers you know, find blog tips, share their blog posts, etc. Mm-hmm. She has a group called Freedom Hackers, which is almost 5,000 people. Wow. And she grew that from the start, or from, from scratch, just this past year. And so when she has a launch, she's got that 5,000 uh, very active, and that's what's important with Facebook and anywhere is to have an engaged group that you're promoting to, an engaged group that is part of, you know, her brand that she can market to when she has a launch. Mm, okay. So anybody can start a Facebook group. It's easy to get people to join. And that was something that she did. And she said in a a recent webinar that that was one of the the best business decisions she's ever made is starting a Facebook group. Mm, Okay. That's great. Yep. Um, So anybody can do it. That's the great news. It just takes a lot of hustling and great branding and getting uh, focused on your ideal customer. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk a little bit about metrics online. Um, 
as we had talked a little bit about vanity metrics before, do you feel like numbers really matter or like there's a whole quality versus quantity debate that's always on the go online and how, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I've written about it, you know, and I think numbers can matter and they do matter in, in, in people's eyes to one degree. And that's that the more followers a person tends to have or a company, the more people will look at them as being um, a, a leader or um, an expert or somebody who stands out and has a certain expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that respect for branding, I agree, you know, and that's why I tell basically people who have somebody working on social media full time or have a company or have a virtual assistant that if you want to focus on growing really fast, do that. I loved, you know, uh, tweet adder when I had it, it was targeted and it helped me grow my, I have two Twitter accounts and I have like 16,000 followers on both. Um, and they were targeted, you know, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately I ended up not staying in that niche. You know, I don't really do travel writing as much. So that was a shame, but I still have people that are real people that are, um, you know, that I can engage with on there and that are not spam bots or something like that. So yes, it can matter um, for make for helping people to see that you're an authority, but it's not the most important thing for sales. In fact, some of the most imp- uh, well-known entrepreneurs have very few followers. Hmm. Uh, yeah, because it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get conversions and turn those people into sales. Um, it's what you do with your followers that matters. So it is quality to that degree, but even more than quality, it's engagement. Because you could have zero followers, but you could start engaging with people who are following Lewis House, or following me, or following you, or following somebody else right off the bat. And if you're, you know, adding to the conversation, being helpful and useful, um, then you know that's that's going to matter more for sales than it does um, how many followers you have. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's switch gears here. Um, Let's talk a little bit about content marketing. So for the audience that's listening, what is it and how do people use it to drive traffic? And do you have any tips on how you can promote your content? I mean, we've talked, we've covered a lot of them today in terms of just utilizing things like Instagram and Pinterest and um, reposting the similar, like same content essentially, but just in different ways and that sort of thing. Yeah, content marketing is is anything to do with your blog posts or articles or even your newsletter to a degree that is showing what you do or how you can be of service or giving people tips or information or just talking about your personal brand and who you are. So it's basically everything that you're doing when it comes to creating um, posts or written the written word or even photos on your sites. Um, I think content marketing is excellent paired with social media because, of course, you can uh, keep sharing it and there are apps that will help you constantly be sharing your content. Um, Edgar is one app, for example, that will constantly be resharing your content, your blog posts and whatnot, through various social media networks so that it's always being repurposed and reused, as well, reused essentially and reshared. Um, and that's a great way to drive traffic because what most people do is they'll create a blog post and then that's it. They share it a few times, or maybe they don't. Some people don't even share their content, it's, which is weird. Um, and that's it. It just that's the end of the post, essentially, unless you somehow stumble upon it by Google or or somewhere else. That's actually not what people should be doing. Your content should be working for you twenty four seven. So it should be constantly being shared. You know, a blog post that you wrote twenty ten, if it's still relevant to now, should still be shared all the time. 
Um, and that's what uh, Guy Kiyosaki talks about a lot is, you know, the constant, constantly sharing things because not everybody sees the first time you tweet. Not mm-hmm. everyone sees the first time you post to Facebook. Not everyone sees the first time you, uh, you know, you post elsewhere. So maybe Instagram isn't a good platform to be resharing, you know, hey, I, I'm constantly, you know, resharing this post because obviously it's a different platform. But there's no reason why you can't be sharing old content all the time. And it should. It should literally be constantly being put out there. Yes, you can also repurpose old content. I would say this is another tip that I would suggest doing is people can go into their archives and look at blog posts they've written. And maybe you've got interviews or tips or something that are all along the same theme. Why not make it into an ebook? Mm-hmm. Why not take all that content and repurpose it into an ebook that you can either sell on Amazon, which would get, get you access to all the people on that platform, which is a gigantic platform, um, and that would get you new traffic, and it would make you money, or you could uh, make it a free opt-in. So that's working for you that way, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can also post longer posts, maybe um, snippets of your blog posts on social media. Why not take old posts and start posting paragraphs of them on Google Plus or on uh, your fan page? So really, it, it can constantly be reused and reshared. That's great advice. All right. Well, that is all the time that we have today, Elizabeth. Um, I just have one final question for you that we ask all of the guests on the show. Yes. So my final question to you is, what is your number one tip on how others can be more love noteworthy in their business or with their brand or in their life? Um, it sounds corny, but I'm, I'm going to say just be you and be confident in who you are because that's the essence of a personal brand and I believe that a personal brand is how you're going to make a difference in your business because that's how you'll stand out and that's how you're going to attract the people that you're best meant to serve. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today about some of the social media basics. I know there's quite a few key things that I definitely am going to start implementing over the course of this month. Um, And hopefully our audience will too. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, on any of the social media platforms, really. And I know Elizabeth is super active online. So you can definitely reach out to her again, we'll put the links to her social um, in the show notes tonight or today. And um, Other than that, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great week. And I'm really grateful to have you here listening to us speak today. 